0: Hello, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Appledore Research Podcast. My name is Robert Curran, Consulting Analyst with Appledore. As ever, we're here to share insights on the transformation of telecom in the era of cloud, network automation, and AI. If you enjoy today's podcast, make sure to follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Now enjoy the show. There can be little doubt that the arrival of cloud computing and its evolution into hyperscale cloud infrastructure companies is one of the most disruptive developments in the global tech industry. By eliminating an entire set of costs and limitations, it has enabled startups to become global leaders within just a few years, and has massively accelerated the development of innovative features and experiences. But telecom has been relatively slow to adopt cloud and as a service models, despite having what looks like a perfect first candidate in the charging systems that are the engine, of revenue generation. With me here today to discuss, I'm really delighted to welcome Daniel Royston, DR, public cloud evangelist and acting CEO of Totogi. Welcome, DR.
1: Hi, guys. It's so great to be here.
0: Thanks, DR, for joining yeah. us. And to provide some additional market perspective, I'm delighted to welcome back uh, Appledore's principal analyst for digital enablement, that's John
2: Abraham. John, good to be with you again. Great. Thank you, Robert. And, and great to have you with us, uh, DR.
1: Yeah, this will be a great conversation. I mean, uh, I have lots to say, so I think we're going to have a good time.
2: Yeah, certainly, certainly looking forward to it. I think, you know, as, as Robert said, uh, DR, you, you don't need an introduction um, <laughs> quite widely recognized in the industry, uh, especially as someone who said the cat among the pigeons, you know, in terms of driving operators on facing up the issue uh, yeah. of the importance of public cloud. Maybe a bit more interestingly, um you are also known as the lady who got John Bon Jovi to attend MWC a couple <laughs> of years ago. <laughs> why, why don't we start with that? You know, tell yeah. us about that, Dr.
1: Well, I guess um I am the lady that famously took over the Ericsson space. Uh, I'm sure, much to their chagrin, I'm pretty sure they were not happy about that, but. Uh, in 2021, if you guys recall, MWC moved from the usual end of February to the end of June. And it was really just about pandemic timing. We were kind of, it was kind of slowing down. And I think GSMA was really trying to save the show. And on, I think it was March 9th, uh, 2021, Ericsson announced that they were going to um, not participate. And I saw that as an opportunity. I was like, I think the pandemic uh, is is winding down. I think we could actually do the show. And what an amazing opportunity to take over, take over that space. And what we did was we created Cloud City, and it was really kind of bringing public cloud to the forefront. And. Um, we really wanted to pull out all the stops to make people really enticed in coming to MWC and traveling to Spain. So we hired, we hired John Bon Jovi. And um, it wasn't the first time I've met him, actually. I've met him, I, I, I've done this before with him, so it was really great to see him again. But it was just so fabulous to be all together at a concert, uh, a private concert. I think everyone, I mean, it was magical. People were so happy to be together and listening to music again, so it was super fun.
0: Great. It was a a mold a mold breaker for MWC. I think we've seen some some interesting sites at NWC over the year, but uh, over the years, but that was that was a bit different. So
1: I know uh, it was. I mean, everyone had masks on, but everyone was holding up their cameras and taking pictures, and it was it was amazing,
0: terrific. Uh, you've always got something up your sleeves, um, <laughs> Dr. I, I want to go back to a little bit. Uh, you know, you're you're extremely well known. You know, public lard evangelist. I'm interested in where and when. You know, did you kind of become that cloud convert, if I can, if I can call it
1: that. Yeah. So the spark of the idea. So I am not from telco. I mean, when you talk to telco execs and and telco people, they're always like, Oh, I've been in the industry for, you know, the number starts with a two or a three, right? 20 years, 30 years. Um, I've been in telco since basically 2017. I was parachuted into a distressed uh, publicly traded charging company, Redney. And, um, was charged with the turnaround. It was basically on the verge of bankruptcy. And so we got an infusion from a large investor of about $80 million. And then I was able to raise another 75 million U.S. dollars. And at first it was just really a turnaround story, which that's what I was before then. I'm a computer science major from Stanford. And I had been a turnaround CEO at like 15 different um, enterprise software companies. And so this was to me just another enterprise software company that needed to be fixed. But... As I started to learn about charging, which I confused with billing for so long, everyone would correct me and I hated it. But um, once I started to learn what it was and I asked, you know, how is it installed and how do we get new features in our product to our customers and what's a CR? And I learned that we were, you know, single instance on premise with massive capacity being deployed um, with upgrade cycles of three to five years um backporting features to get our roadmap into older installations i'm like this is crazy like do you have you guys ever heard of the public cloud cuz every other industry and all the other software i've been working with have been converting to saas have been cover- converting to multi tenancy and i mean it was it was a whole wave and it was like i had found this pocket of a of a of a business of industry that was just missing the boat and so Um, that's when I started to kind of explore this idea. I started talking to telco execs, my entire, uh, employee base told me I was wrong and it would never work. And, um, I talked to one of the very first, uh, execs I spoke to was a CTO at, uh, an Indian telco. And, you know, in a 30 minute meeting, his response was, I want to start a pilot right now. And that was kind of the epiphany. I'm like, if this guy's saying yes. Yes everyone will say yes. And this is the biggest idea I've ever had in my life.
0: I guess it's, you know, you're from a turnaround background, you must get a bit of a buzz from the idea of trying to turn around an industry, not just a company. Is that, <laughs> is that what that feels like?
1: Uh, I guess. I mean, it's kind of weird because, you know, the other day I tweeted about how I kind of feel it's like my vocation to help the telco industry. Um, and it started with just starting, you know, helping a company. That's what I wanted to do and and give it new life and we were doing that um and it, i mean a lot of people don't know i don't know a lot of people don't know this or don't remember this but optiva went under a a hostile takeover and it really thwarted our progress on what we were doing really confused the customers and so i ended up leaving because i, I just believed in this idea so much that i was yeah. like okay i don't have time to wait with these people who don't know what this means. And so to now have this opportunity to have the stage, right? I've spoken at MWC, you know, two or three times now. Cloud City certainly was a big jumpstart to that. Um, I think the pandemic, right, for me was good because people started to work remotely and realize, you know, you can't do hand stamps on uh, invoices, we got to use this thing called DocuSign, which is super safe and it's in the cloud. So mm. a lot of things just—it was just right time, right place—and I'm, I'm so lucky and so excited and passionate about it. So yeah,
0: yeah, no, that that carries—it uh, it comes across, it comes across yeah. for sure. Um, I, I'm conscious that Totogi was in a bit of somewhat stealth mode. Uh, you had <laughs> you had a company, you had funding like even before the company had a name. Um, yep. maybe, maybe you can kind of fill in the blanks for some folks what What's the scope of what Totogi is doing today?
1: Yeah, I mean, I keep changing the tagline. I think we're still not done because um you know we're we're evolving. And so really, the idea behind totogi, it's it's a big vision to rewrite the software the right way using modern technology like public cloud and generative AI and all these cool things that are coming our way um to help the telco industry become, um, you know, lower their cost of operations, um, get new ideas to market faster, right? Get them all off of this bespoke crap that they have running that really just bogs them down, right? And really hamstrings them from, from doing the right thing and, and having creating delightful experiences for their subscribers. Um, and so we want to solve hard problems. And I think one of the big problems facing our industry is- how are we going to deliver on the ROI for the networks that we're building? Right. It was certainly a question with 4G. Um, it's still a question with 5G. Uh, I see us talking about 6G and I'm like, guys, we have like a really big problem in front of us, which is we've got to return on that invested capital for shareholders, or, right, with flat stocks to declining stocks. This is a major problem. So what are we going to do about it? So Tatogi thinks about monetization all day long um, we started with charging mostly, you know, that's my background and that's what I know, but, um, but charging's, you know, the heart of monetization, it's how you're monetizing your largest asset, which is the network. So we thought it was a natural place to begin and, uh, really excited. So, you know, we're going to keep exploring this topic of monetization and coming up with new ideas. And so it may not always be the charging, you know, that you're, you know, that everyone knows today, we're going to kind of push the envelope and you know, take it into using AI to generate plans and offers at an individual basis, um, using the charging engine to monetize an individual API call so people can pay by the use. So mm-hmm. I guess Tadogi is focused on monetization and and solving big problems.
0: It's, it's all about the money. Yeah. John, John right. I know you, you, got, you got some thoughts on the charging context. Can you fill in some of the backdrop for us here?
2: Sure. Um, before we get into that charging context, DR, one other question I wanted to bring up was, you know, you, you, the, the scale of operations, you had a big runway, more or less, right up front, you know, the one billion yeah. telco transformation mm-hmm. fund, you know, which, uh, to be honest, in this industry is not at all that common. Uh, but you were quite successful in racing, having such a massive fundraise. Yeah. And then you have also deployed it, uh, you know, quite prudently across two different companies, yeah. um, Skywera and Totogi. Maybe Mm -hmm. you can just tell the listeners a bit about that and how that came to be. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, it's part of my allure and you know mystery, mystery woman. (laughs) Yeah, so coming, you know, when I left, I left that Redney uh, assignment, and I was contacted by investors in private equity that were kind of quietly, low key listening to me um, at Optiva, and they were interested in either hiring me to come run, uh, you know, do something similar for their companies in telco and outside. But I also had a group of people approach me and say, Hey, we think you're onto something and we want to give you, we, we want you to continue your work. And coming off of that experience, I'm like, okay, it's really important that people understand kind of telco. Cause it's not, it's not your normal SaaS horizontal SaaS, you know, kind of, mm. yeah. uh, approach, right. The sales cycles are long. We're asking the the industry to make a platform change. Um, the people that need to make these decisions are, you know, CXOs, right? It's not a middle manager kind of decision. And so this isn't a three to five year kind of play. This is a decade long, if not longer play in terms mm-hmm. of the return. And if you're, you're up for signing up for that, I'm your girl. But it's super important that we're aligned on that because I just learned at my last assignment that my investors were not aligned on the long-term vision. They wanted... You know, maybe a quicker return. I'm like, it's just not how the industry works. And people inside the industry are like, yep, we got it. DR, you're totally right. And people outside the industry just don't understand. So, um, you know, we raised a billion dollar, I call it the Telco Transformation Fund. Um, the idea is to identify the builders, like the companies out there that are building software cloud first, API first, um, you know, the right way. And Totoki was our first investment at a hundred million dollars. Um, And then the second thing we do with it is, as you mentioned, John, we acquire uh, telco enterprise software companies. And again, these don't have to be cloud ready or even working on cloud. They can be in any state of any size in any location. The key is, is that it's enterprise software and your primary customer is a telco, right? MVNO or MNO. Um and then the third thing I do is I advise. So I'll talk to Telcos about how to move to the cloud, why you should move to the cloud, and certainly, you know, I have my podcast, uh, Telco in 20, I have a blog and a newsletter that we put out every two weeks where I share my thoughts on, you know, all the challenges, everything from the strategic discussions that are going on in boardrooms all the way down to the tactical of like, you know, how you move a, an, an application. So those are the three things that the Telco Transformation Fund um, is working on. The um, To answer your question about the $100 million, right? Typically VCs uh, invest in smaller chunks, especially in a sort of seed round, three, five, maybe 10. Um, and because Telco, and especially charging, this is a system that you're probably gonna install for five or 10 years. Um, Smaller amounts of funding doesn't really give the feeling of longevity. And so it makes right. it really hard for people to select uh, a brand new system like Totogi, right? They're going to be like, who are your customers? And who's, sure. who's battle tested this before me? So yeah. the hundred million dollars were, is really, you know, it wasn't that we need to use that in early in the early years. It's really to give the signal to telco execs that you can count on us, that we're going to be around for a while, um, and we have the funding to go the distance. So um, we're really careful with our cash. We try to run superficially. I don't have any offices. We're 100% remote. Um, right. But, you know, we do fun things like the Bon Jovi concert and, and spend a little <laughs> money and and it goes a long way.
2: <laughs> right, right, right. I think uh, to your point earlier about, you know, the, the COVID may have been at the right time for you guys, mm-hmm. you know, starting up yeah. remotely. I'll just add to that. I think The fact that you picked up charging is also quite an important factor because, uh, you know, the way I see a telco industry, at least within the monetization sphere, we are set for uh, disruption, especially on the charging front, mainly because, you know, um, when you shift from 4G to 5G, you're going away from CDRs into something that is more API centered or HTTP2 based Mm -hmm. interfaces. So whether operators want it or not, they need to have a new charging system system in place to support 5g traffic uh, you know especially 5g standalone traffic um the same rule does not apply to billing systems for uh, as an example but uh, yeah. specifically to charging systems so the fact that you have gotten on that journey at this particular time i guess would be uh, quite an advantage you know as you as you go forward yeah um to to, to what extent uh, uh, you know 5g is a big factor in the conversations you have, you know, because you have, you have been focusing a lot around public cloud, Uh, just wanted to query you on the 5G part of that uh, discussion.
1: Yeah, I mean, cloud, uh, 5G was designed to be cloud native, right? And that's, um, you know, again, great timing for us. The engine starts with 4G, 5G, um, the Tatoki engine. And that's what we support. But there's still pockets of the world that are running uh, 2G and 3G. And I was just having a conversation with our head of product yeah. um, this week about, you know, he thinks it's still going to be around for five to 10 years. Now, we don't want to go backwards in our in our design. But, you know, the engine can work on 3G technology. And we have a way to make it work on 2G. So, right. So that, you know, this isn't just a 5G thing. I think... You could use Satogi even in in that old world, which is awesome. But right. we are seeing a lot of 5G activity. That is, that is absolutely true. And so it's designed that way. It's designed to be super open. There's these easy to use APIs when we install it with customers. They love, I mean, I I cannot stress enough how much people love our, you know, autonomous plan design where marketing departments without IT assistance can create their own plans. Um, IG departments love the API openness, where they can code on their own and load, do mass loads of plans and and integrate to systems so easily. And so, we, I mean, it's it's a modern system. It's closer to Salesforce or you know Zendesk than it is to mm. you know my old company in Canada. That's for sure. Mm. Yeah.
0: Interesting, interesting. DR, I'm, I'm conscious that another thing that I think you've been involved with quite heavily is is with the TM Forum. Uh, you talked about open APIs there and, and their whole yeah. context, the, the ODA. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot, not a lot of companies are involved in that. But but is that do you see that as particularly significant kind of industry uh, association for you guys uh, at Tatogi? And, and how do you see that forming a part of your, your own strategy and then for the industry as a whole? Is that important?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of two sides, good and bad. So I think the good part of it is, it's um, opening up vendor walled gardens, empowering telco IT departments to be able to maybe reduce their spend on CRs and kind of more of a, a do it yourself. It's easier to integrate to two different, um, you know vendor systems. So if you have a best of breed strategy, um, theoretically, it would be easier to integrate the two or swap one out without having to, you know, totally rewrite the integration um, from scratch. And I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars, right, millions of dollars go into stitching, you know, this very complex end-to-end experience that we're trying to create, especially on the BSS side for customers. It's just, I mean, it's insane. So I think it's good from that perspective. But I also, as we've gotten pretty deep with Tatogi, into, you know, we're sitting at, I think, 44 um, API-certified, one of the companies we bought, um, a carve-out from SDL. There I think they're like 10 or 11, 12 APIs in. Um, and so we're going to support it, absolutely, and continue to climb up the leaderboard with our products. Um, but the downside to it, as we've been, like, kind of realizing how this works, is the implementation, the guts of the API are all being written by the vendors, by the individuals. And so I kind of am like, how does this really work when I interpret the semantics of a particular field differently than someone else, right? We mm-hmm. both don't have an underlying unified data model, right? And so how does that work again? Yeah. So That's- I see it happening with Open Gateway because you know, Open- you. GSMA put out a post maybe yeah. um, the end of May about... Uh, you know, the technical spec and how they're designing it, but they're going the same route as TM Forum with this TM Forum API. So like, oh, that's working. We're going to copy it. Same thing. Each operator, we're going to have a common API signature, which is great. The code will be the same, but the guts of the code will be written individually by operators. And I'm like, that's going to take a long time. And that's, everyone's going to, I mean, it's, it's computer science, right? It's like, you know, we all are using, you know, the recipe for vanilla ice cream, but we all kind of use different vanilla ingredients and and (laughs) it might taste a little bit different, even though at the end of the day, it's vanilla ice cream. So, um, we still have that problem here. And so that's why I say it's maybe good and bad.
0: Yeah. It's a start though, for sure. Yeah. No, I can see that. You, You know, you, you've inadvertently taken me into into my next question area okay, actually cool. <laughs> uh, so, so one of the things that you know keeps coming up is uh, in, in telco uh, is uh, you know wanting to be cloud agnostic there's a, there's yeah. a term I sometimes use I talk about everybody can talk about cloud native I talk about cloud nervous um, and cloud agnostic yeah. agnostic is kind of in the middle here and I'm very mm-hmm. conscious that you know you, you've been very much an advocate of of focusing on a, choosing a particular hyperscaler Mm-hmm. um to for certainly for, for Totogi. And I'm interested in given that you said it already, just tell me a bit about, about that decision. What led you to say, look, we're not going to do the, the agnostic route. We're going <laughs> to go it. we're going to go all in and you know what does that what does that look like? What does it mean for customers? How do you, you know, how do you you know how do you explain that and what that means for customers?
1: Well I think it's an attitude shift with Totogi in particular, which is we are running a platform or a service, right? And so just like Salesforce is a service Um, You don't ask where Salesforce runs. You just expect it to work. They keep adding features, right, overnight sometimes, right? You wake up and there's a whole new release and new features in there. Um, And does it matter that they're running on AWS or Google or, you know, in the old days, their own, you know, office? Didn't matter. It was a service. Now, all telco software prior to this point has been run under the telco's roof. And they dictate where it runs, And sometimes it goes far as like, well, we don't want to use that database because that's not our database standard. Can you swap in another database? Which is super hard and expensive for vendors to do, right? And and so we're like, no, this is a service. Um, The charging engine scales automatically. Um, It's elastic. You don't have to pre-provision capacity. You don't even have to commit to it if you don't want Mm -hmm. to. It's pay by the use. And so given that I'm in charge, right? And so I've picked AWS because of their ubiquitous data centers, right? They have the most data centers sure. of any of their, uh, the other hyperscalers. And that's very important for this industry. Maybe yeah. if I were a US-based SaaS company with most of my customers in the United States, maybe not, but in telco, I need data centers because of their, you know, yeah. uh, ge- geographic, uh, rec- you know, latency requirements, uh, data privacy laws, all sorts of stuff. So data center ubiquity is super important. Number two, they're probably the fastest innovators of anyone. They have the most services and they ship services really fast. So new things keep coming out and I just get to use them. Um, And then number three, they have their custom silicon that I don't think people really realize in this industry of how amazing that Graviton chip is. And now they have Inferentia, which is a machine learning chip um they have Tranium, which is for machine learning training as ai has just like completely taken over the world that's going to be super important and so i'm standing on the shoulders of aws which is a 100,000 person excellent talent community and totogi sitting on top of that and we have a great team that's really why we we chose it i was actually using google cloud with with optiva yeah. But you know, when I was like, okay, we're gonna go really big on this, I'm like, uh, I'm gonna have to use AWS to do that. So yeah. that's that's why yeah. AWS for Totogi. Um, and it's yeah. a big change, right? I'm asking the telco exec, let go of let go of yeah. managing the stack and having this under your roof. I'm gonna manage it, right? And and it's just gonna work. And you pay by the use and when you don't need it anymore, stop paying.
0: John, I, I wanted to just ask you a question in relation to that, you know, the DR is talking about some of this kind of mindset shift. It's not, it's not so much technology per se. One of the elements of that is what she just mentioned, the, 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 the as a service, the pay per use kind of model. Um, and I just wonder whether, you know, from your perspective across the market, do you see functions like charging uh, you know, likely moving to that as a service, as a service model? Is that a, is that a, a drift you can see
2: happening? Uh, well, in general, Robert, I'm quite optimistic about the adoption of SaaS. I think SaaS is going to become the dominant model in the future. Uh, and 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 the reason behind this, if you look at it, there are two fundamental reasons. You know, one I think uh, DR alluded to is the efficiency issue. I think um, there is an issue of, uh, you know, the legacy framework sucking up too much of time and money and resources, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. that makes it unsustainable for the future you know we in fact just broadly in monetization we've got data that suggests anywhere between uh, 65 to 75 percent of the total spend is just on supporting and maintaining older systems right so you are just eating up into the potential investments that could be used to support the future. Uh, And at the same time, there is an issue of, uh, you know, lost opportunities, you know, that come from delayed time to market, uh, you know, uh, issue of scaling, which often uh, is is a big concern for many operators and so on. The the second issue uh, to the efficiency issue is the innovation issue, which is, all about um, how quickly can you try new things, you know, Mm -hmm. what is the level of experimentation, you know, that you can do at low cost because it doesn't guarantee you that this will be successful. Uh, And in general, Uh, telcos have had uh, not much of a culture of uh, experimentation because their systems certainly don't permit them to do that. Because most of the times when they have to try out something, it involves a huge upfront cost to get those systems and before they can even try out to what extent it works. So for these reasons, I'm quite optimistic. Now, the key question is, How far is that future? And I think you rightly called out, Robert, that it's not a technology issue. I think the technology is here. I believe it's ready. I think we have a a cultural and maybe an organizational issue about to what extent and when can operators fully embrace the ability of SaaS. Um, I think that's going to be the deciding factor in, 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 in the medium to long term.
0: Don, that's that's really interesting. Uh, you know, we spend so much time talking about technology and and uh, in our industry, and and there are o- other things that are really you know fundamental enablers here. Uh, and do you will take me into into I think what what may be the, the last question for for today, but it's it's got yeah. plenty of uh, plenty of runway. Um, which which is this question of you know mindset and culture change? You know, m- pretty much every conference that that I've been at, I'm sure you've been the same in the last year eighteen months. Someone always talks about it. you know we need this industry, culture change, we mindset change, and that's like we kind of get it but but I wonder if there's a different a different option, which is that which is that you know to change an in industry, you need some brave people um to make mm-hmm. some courageous decisions and 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 once once we start to see the effects of that, then people will in the rest of the wider industry will will come on board and I wonder whether you would agree with that sort of model and and whether you know, there are customers and pioneers that you're working with today that you you would call out as being maybe those kind of spearheading, uh, you know, individuals and and companies.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the barriers to cloud adoption is the the fear of change that is literally pervasive at MNOs. I think executives have been successful for, you know, let's say in the 80s and 90s of being stewards of MNOs, you know, kind of, don't make any radical changes, you know. Keep writing the next, you know, G. Um, the the profits and the and the growth will come, and I'm good to go. And and now we're at a point where boards and executives, right? And we just saw it with Vodafone, right? Where people are unhappy with results, right? We have some, you know, activist activity, and um, and you know, CEOs are going to have to put their their neck on the line and try some new things. And like John mentioned. I think it's super important to provide technology as a vendor that makes it easy and cheap to experiment. You don't have to spend you know, you know, a number plus six zeros right, to get started. It doesn't take 18 months to two years to get it off the ground. Um, you don't have to deploy it to your entire subscriber base. Why not just do a pocket, do a little digital offshoot? You know, and I, do, I am talking to uh, tier one MNOs that introduce us to their innovation lab to their side projects to their MVNO group right these little pockets and that's where we're finding it in the in the big companies um going down market the entrepreneurs of this industry i'm just going to say it i've interviewed a bunch of them it's the mvno owners these guys um they want to try new ideas they you know this year at mwc 23 it was the inaugural mvno summit event it was held wednesday i think my speaking slot was wednesday at 4 p.m. I was like, GSMA, you're not really sending a strong message that you're supporting the MVNO community. But okay. It's the third day and everyone's tired. No one wants to go to this. Yeah. But I threw a great party and it was really fun. But those guys, and I and I talk to them all the time, they wanna, you know, they wanna build um MVNOs around brands, uh, around influencers. They want to um, segment a population and and cater to that. They want to provide an excellent experience. And these guys are risk takers. They're early adopters. They're really excited about the technology. They see the Tatogi stuff and they're like, wait, how much does this cost? And I'm like, it's a free tier until you have 250,000 subs on the platform. They're like, this is insane. So um, so yeah, that's where I think the, the early adopters, at least for what I'm trying to advocate, has been in the MBNO community and then upmarket kind of in these these labs and the experiments. Uh, The experimentations that are going on, they are going on, but they're still slow moving, right? They still, I mean, they they act like MNOs. They're like, you know, let's do another RFP. And I'm like, oh my God, why are you doing an RFP? When you can go to the AWS marketplace and for one penny, right, sign up and have access to the plan design system and see if it works. Why are you doing this?
0: It's a a different mindset for for sure. Uh, Great great answer, DR. I I think it's really interesting. You know, when I look back at at some of where Salesforce came from, I had some time in and around the Salesforce uh, ecosystem, and it was very interesting just how different it was. And and to your point about entrepreneurial spirit, that's really, really important and uh, and very interesting to see the effects. It, It isn't always from the usual suspects, which is kind of the fun part. Um, And so, yeah, very interesting perspective. Yeah, I mean, if you go back,
1: I love using the Salesforce example, because if you look at how they disrupted Siebel, which was a a company Mm -hmm. very similar to, say, Amdocs in terms of single instance, you know, the consultants would show up and say, how would you like this customized? That'll be, you know... Five zeros, six zeros involved in that and happy to take all of that money off the table and put them in a walled garden. And Siebel was a very successful company doing that, right, as is Amdocs. But I think what Salesforce did was they started with small and medium businesses that couldn't afford a Siebel system, um, provided it as a service. They had that famous no software uh, tagline right? You don't need to own it and install it. And then eventually went up market. I did a great talk about this March 9th, 2021, such an auspicious day because that was the day Ericsson bailed on MWC 21. I, I dropped a, a talk uh, for telecom TV where I made this analogy. It's a great story, but people called um, Salesforce the ant at the picnic and uh, Tatogi is the ant at the picnic, right? We're small, but um, we're really trying to change the way people think about software in this industry.
2: Dr. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go in with one last question of mine. Okay, <laughs> uh, cool. It, uh, <laughs> and that is, you have been, you know, over the last few months, a bit coy about what Totogi is working on. But at the same time, I know for a fact that you have been working on multiple things. You know, you have launched b- beside the charging as a service. You have launched a marketplace. Mm-hmm. You have launched a churn prediction tool. Yep. And I know that there, uh, there are you're working on other things. So. Do you want to give some insight as to what is the ambition? Where is Totogi going to go, and what kind of um, portfolio it aims to have, say over the next couple of years or something like that? Well,
1: well, I'm going to say what I said at MWCDU, which was it's going to look random at first, <laughs> but there's a plan. I promise. Yeah. So, like I said earlier, um, we really want to focus on the the problems facing this industry really with respect to monetization, right? We don't know how to re- return uh, on investment for building out new networks. This is a serious problem. Um, Netflix, um, use, you know, driving tons of data, which is fabulous. The, the Netflix uh, CTO was at MWC and made a joke about um, fair, fair use, right, this tax that they want, that the telco industry wants to charge the tech companies for the network usage. He's like, great, then contribute to my content budget that produces all of this data that people are addicted to. And he said it as a joke, but it's true, right? Like, it's a a fabulously symbiotic relationship and they're Mm -hmm. driving um, data usage. So um, we bought uh, this uh, company out of bankruptcy um, that was in a SPAC. Uh, People know it as Candy. Um, it was under the the publicly traded symbol uh, or company named American Virtual Cloud Technologies, AVCT. Right. Um, and so, you know, this was a company spun out of ribbon. Before that, it was GenBan, I believe. Um, it's a U- known, I think, primarily as a UCAS company, but also had CPaaS capabilities. Um, we bought it uh, for $6.7 uh, million. I think the market cap two years prior was something like, I mean, I don't even know. I think it was like $4 billion. It was like insane. What? What? I mean, I got, we should look that up. Um, I should yeah. know it off the top of my head because it's just a staggering stat of uh, the valuation of the company, you know, yeah. just to, you know, right before the pandemic hit. Yeah. Um, and so um, that's another monetization opportunity, right? I mean, Twilio, the famous, you know, CPaaS company that um, brokered agreements with MNOs around the world, Um you know, pull, you know, abstracted away the technical complexity of integrating the networks, created a pay by the use API that was super easy to use, created an amazing developer community, and has really taken over the world. Um, they use um, least cost routing on their SMSs, which really puts telco versus telco, and they use that to negotiate the prices down. Um, and, you know, they too are looking for, you know, their biggest cost, their gross margin, I think, is 45%. Uh, Good, great SaaS companies should be eighty to ninety percent. So they're about half of what what they should be. So for them, this is a big problem, um, where they're going to try to figure out how to re- continue to reduce the fees that they pay to the telcos to deliver voice uh, messaging and and video. Um, now they too are under. I read this week under activist attack. Um, you know their investors are unhappy with their returns. Um, you know, but whenever you build your service on top of someone else's service, you're at risk. And with the activism going on with Twilio, um, with the market that they, you know, I think their market cap right now is about 12, $12 billion, right? It's about a $4 million company or so with, with, you know, sort of three X multiple there. Um, This is our opportunity to take it back. And with with, you know, kind of the approach with Open Gateway, which again, it's like that TM form, good and bad. I mean, it's good that we're all agreeing on what the API signatures should be. But the bad is every single, you know, those 25 telcos are all going to have to go write software. And last time I checked, they're not really known for their software chops, right? So um, so Detogi is like, wow, we just bought this candy stuff. <laughs> Does, could candy do that? You know, could candy do some Twilio magic stuff? And so- um, and so we're looking at the tech and we'll probably take a chunk out. They were, Candy wasn't using it exactly in this way. Um, we're kind of going to add a twist to it. And so the Totoki engineering team will have access to that code and embed it. And, um, and so we're, we're, we're coming up with a solution. Again, I think the commercial and the go-to-market is really important because it's not just another, I don't think you just say, hey, it's another Twilio. I don't think that's going to work. It's going to be too hard. I mean, building a developer community, it took them, 14 years to get to 1 million devs, um, right? That's, mm-hmm. that won't work yeah. here. But, um, so yeah, so there's lots of cool stuff. Right, you, you know, using the set that we acquire, um, looking at it, see what, can be, what we can move to the cloud. Again, with that, focusing on important, valuable business problems that telcos are faced with, right? I'm not just a technology for technology's sake. And I don't want to just rewrite another CRM or BSS system. I really want to do things differently um, and so that means maybe we don't do everything, right? Because yeah. we don't need to. Just focus on the valuable problems, and I think um, the millions and hopefully billions of dollars will come. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, great, DR, D- That's 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 been a terrific uh, conversation. I know we could we could talk for uh, much longer, and, and we'd love to have you on again. I know I didn't even answer
1: your that. cloud agnostic question. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: so maybe another day but this was a great conversation i think we covered a lot of ground and we, i really totally
0: did cover a lot of ground was, uh, yeah very, thank you so much good. for having
1: me on your podcast
0: it's been a pleasure to have you thank you so much and uh, safe travels on your next next journey and uh, we'll see you at, a, at a, a trade show near you soon i'm sure probably tm forum yes <laughs> yeah. yeah look Absolutely.
1: forward to that yeah Diallo. it'll be fun
0: thank you thank you so much thanks You have been listening to the Appledore Research Podcast. Join us next time for more insights and conversation on the transformation of technology.